Welcome to the audio recording of the Rebel News live stream show. Now, folks, every day from Monday to Friday, we here at Rebel News put on the live stream show. It is, as the title suggests, live. We talk about the issues of the day, and of course, we interact with you, our cherished audience. That show is available on YouTube. It airs from noon till 1 Eastern Standard Time. As for now, please sit back, relax, and listen to the podcast version of that show. Hey, welcome everybody. You have tuned in to the Rebel News live stream. I'm David Menzies and my lovely co-host in Northern Alberta. Well, that's Sheila the She-Devil Gunn-Reed. And now normally <laughs> you see Ezra Levent in this seat at this time. But Sheila and I, for the foreseeable future, we are doing the live stream on Tuesday and Thursdays. So uh, if you like the flavor of uh, uh, Menzies and Gunn-Reed, Tuesday and Thursday. If not, it's the big boss man on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. See, we're all about freedom of choice here. How you doing, Sheila Gunn-Reed? I'm great, but you should tell these people to choose both of us. Of course. Because, yeah, there's something for everybody, and uh, Ezra has his own way of doing things and presenting the news, and we have our own crazy kind of love or whatever we've got going on here. Um, I'm great. Um, I think we should tell everybody what we're doing here before we uh, drive this show right into uh, the ditch, as we <laughs> normally tend to do, get all off topic and into the weeds. Um, so this is, as you point out, our daily live stream. While the mainstream media was cutting uh, local and live coverage during the pandemic, we actually increased ours. And uh, I think our viewers really appreciate it. Um, it seems as though more people tune in than ever before. So there's definitely a demand for these things. You know, it's funny. The mainstream media will cut uh, live and local news during the pandemic, and then they wonder why nobody watches them. Well, you're... <laughs> I don't know, maybe give them what they want. I don't know. But anyways, uh, yeah, David and I took over hosting the show on Tuesdays and Thursdays while Ezra was working on the book and then his book, China Virus, now China Virus launched. And Ezra has kindly allowed us to continue doing what we do, which I think is fun and it breaks up the monotony of the week. And um, I like interacting with David um, outside of work. I think we're good friends and good colleagues. Um, I like interacting with the people and I like giving the people a chance to have their say. And one of the ways that people can have their say and support the work that we do here, because we're not like CBC, we're not going to just rob your pockets. We'll ask you nicely. And if you want to help us, great. And if you don't, that's great too. We have lots of free content on the network. Um, but you could do something called a super chat. And if you go to the bottom of the uh, very vigorous live chat that's already happening, there's a little dollar sign. And you can click on that and you can throw some money in the uh, super chat. And that'll highlight your comment and pin it to the top. And I will read it or David will read it. And if we miss it, then Mr. Producer Justin will send it to us and we'll read your question or comment on air. And maybe it's a topic that you want us to discuss or a question that you have for us, but we'll do our best to address it either way. And it's a great way for you to support the work we do here. 
A hundred percent. And you know, folks, let me tell you a little about Sheila Gunnery. Do you know when I fell in love with Sheila Gunnery? It was in <laughs> Israel when she revealed to me that she once owned a Subaru Brat, which yeah. is one of my dream oddball vehicles that I want to acquire. And it was so such an ingenious vehicle by Subaru because if I remember, it was built in the early 80s and yeah. it was something to get around tariffs um, to qualify not as a pickup truck but as a passenger vehicle so I don't know Mr. Producer can find a photo of the Subaru brat so what Subaru did in the bed of the pickup they installed two rear facing and they which, were like lawn chairs. They weren't even like, they, they which, were just like plastic chairs, like something that you would just like put a metal frame on and then put it in your yard around the fire pit. These things were bolted into the box of this little tiny cute pickup truck. Mine was bright yellow, by the way. And if I had had more warning about you bringing that up, I would have. Oh, uh, there we go. Picture. Now, does that have, does that have the seats installed? I can't. It does. Okay, then. Yeah. Look at that. That's a cool looking. Tr There's a very like El Camino Ford Ranchero vibe going there. And yeah. my enduring memory of that vehicle, Sheila, it was like 1982. I was walking up uh, Davenport Avenue. It was a torrential rainstorm. <laughs> <laughs> there was a Subaru Brat going by, and the two occupants in the seats, their their clothes were painted onto their bodies. You've oh. never seen such misery. I mean, it's a great idea on paper if you're in a temperate climate, right? But the idea of driving around 365 exposed to the elements in Canada, <laughs> it's, it just doesn't work. But you should never have gotten rid of that vehicle, I Sheila Gunreed. I know. I, I regret it all the time. Um, and they're so hard to find. I it's know. so hard to find parts. All the parts have to come from California pretty well because that was like the only place that that vehicle ever made sense. Um, but yeah, mine was bright yellow. I got it at an auction sale. And uh, yeah, I regret ever parting with it. And it wasn't all that, uh, it wasn't that long ago. Like it was maybe six or eight years ago, like it wasn't that long ago that I had it. And I, I just, I regret it all the time. Every, I think everybody has one of those vehicles that they part, uh, that they sell or they part with for a number of different reasons. And um, that's the one for me. That's yeah. the vehicle that got away. And let's throw that out there. You have a dream vehicle, folks. Uh, say what it is. Mine, of course, is the Performance Batmobile built by Fiberglass Freaks in Indianapolis. It is, however, 250,000 US dollars. And of course, I'd have to buy a Batman costume to go with it. So unless I get some, uh, you know, um, Lotto Max money my way. Oh, no, I can't. I'm boycotting Lotto Max. I forgot. Lotto 649 <laughs> money my way. Uh, <laughs> that's not going to happen. <laughs> but in any event, Sheila, we should get back to business here. We have a brand new Rebel, don't we? And uh, I thought she uh, more or less hit it out of the ballpark with an interview she did with a guy that if I ever bumped into, man, would I love to buy this guy a beer and have a heart-to-heart yeah. -heart chat. So I figured since David Menzies has been having so much fun covering the protests over on the east side of Canada, actually scratch that, maybe it's not always fun in games since David and some of the other crew members have been assaulted for covering such stories. But nevertheless, I thought it would be a good idea to highlight what a protest out here on the west side of Canada is like. 
I'm Drea Humphrey with rebelnews.com and on Sunday afternoon approximately 50 people took to the streets of Vancouver, BC to protest the pandemic lockdown. This is part of an ongoing No New Normal protest that meet weekly. Protesters held signs in opposition to things like masks, contact tracing, lockdown restrictions during a march that started at the Vancouver Art Gallery. The No New Normal protesters want businesses, schools, churches, sports and community centres to be fully open and they definitely don't want to be forced to wear a mask. The protest marchers attracted a lot of attention from public and some of it ended in peaceful disagreements. But not everyone there was opposed to the protests or the protesters' message. Numerous vehicles passing by honked in support, as well as one pro-Trump black man who told me he was stranded in Canada during the coronavirus-inspired border controls. I asked him about Black Lives Matter, Canadian media's obsession with hating Trump, the pandemic new normal, and what he thinks is behind the new societal discord. I think you're really gonna enjoy or be blown away, I'm not sure, at what he has to say. Check it out. Okay, so you were just walking right by the protest and you kind of just said, hey, those are my people. Right, absolutely, because I've been preaching the truth, uh, realizing that this whole COVID situation is all bullshit. Um, let me mic up. Oh, sorry, I'll just hold it. Okay. Yeah, I've just been realizing that this whole COVID thing has just been all bullshit. Um, propaganda, uh, ways for them to continuously keep these borders closed. Uh, the whole lockdown just had a whole effect on our whole, our whole immune system, our whole, our whole health. And, um, you know, they just want us sick and what perfect, the perfect timing with this election coming up in November. Um, and now like I'm an American citizen. I actually been stuck here in Canada since this whole situation has transpired. Yeah. So, okay. So you're seeing both sides of everything, right? What do you think about Canadians' obsession with hating Trump? What do you think that's all about? It's the propaganda. Um, and I really think that I would advise people to use... For me, I didn't really know too much about politics. But what I seen was there was a couple of times there was headlines saying Trump said this, Trump said this. And after thoroughly investigating and watching the video or whatever it was, that whatever media or content was being promoted, and uh, I actually got to see what Trump was actually saying, it wasn't whatever the headlines were being pushed. So for me, I've never seen in America, honestly, in all my life, I've never seen, um, and, not, and not to be, not to put labels on it racist, but white media attack a white man so much. I've never seen it ever in my life. So I think that obviously there's something that he must be doing right because, you know, these people own all the, all the major media outlets. And, um, you know, I know that they put they put propaganda out just for people to believe this narrative, that narrative. But if people do the research and just and just dig a little deeper and have an open mind that they'll realize that, like, you know, Trump is actually for the people. And um, I think that just, you know, America has just pressed this narrative that I think that, you know, people just assume like people, you know, most people are sheep. It is what it is. You know, I ain't here to play no games. But I feel like most people are just sheep and they fall into this into this way of thinking because that's how most people think. So right. I just I just my, my advice is for people to just do your do your due diligence, do your research, um, just dig a little bit deeper and kind of block out the noise, the white noise, 
and everything that you've heard and just kind of be informed be informed be informed for yourself not like being informed based on what this person has told you that person has told you um, but just do your own research and, and and have an open mind and discover your own opinion right. and then what about Black Lives Matter. Do you think that ties into any of all this, no. or? But Black Lives Matter is government. Black Lives Matter is uh, uh, what, what's what's homeboy's name? Um, Marxists or? No, no, no. Uh, 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 uh George Soros, government, Boule. Like, so, Black Lives Matter. The the, the movement has been hijacked. It's not, the, you know, the movement has been infiltrated. So, um. And 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 then when you really look at it, you know, what Black Lives Matter only when it's police brutality. Black lives don't matter when them six children got murdered in Chicago on Father's Day. Where was where were they at then? They wasn't out marching and protesting and, and this and then. But Black lives only matter when it's a, you know, when it's a form when when it's a police taking a black life, but not when another black person is taking another black life. So that whole movement is bullshit and it's just a form of distraction to keep people keep us distracted. And to keep more, more, uh, more separation amongst the people to keep us, to keep us divided. Divide and conquer. It's a simple yeah. war tactic. For Rebel News, telling the other side of the story from the streets of Vancouver, I'm Drea Humphrey. Well, Sheila, first of all, what a great debut by Drea. That was a magnificent yep. report. And of course, what made that video was her finding that person uh, that she interviewed. Now, of course, Sheila, I must say, despite his skin pigmentation, according to Joe Biden, he wouldn't be a real black man because he's pro-Trump, apparently. So, wow, isn't it great to see that um, there are members of the black community that don't buy into uh, the Democratic party's narrative of uh, stay on the democratic plantation, that they are thinking yep. freely, that they um, they are pro-Republican. And I might add, this is probably the Democrats' worst nightmare going into the 2020 election. Well, yeah, like it's how Justin Trudeau and the liberals sort of treat uh, Canada's indigenous people. Yeah. They treat... Canada's indigenous people as though they are this monolith, this political monolith, this vote block that they're entitled to every time. No matter how they fail them on the issues in Canada, it's clean drinking water on reserve in the United States, uh, how Democrat mayors allow uh, their cities to plunge into chaos like Detroit and Chicago. And it is black people and minorities who pay the price for these bad policies. And yet still, after all of this, they feel entitled, like Joe Biden is, to their vote. And it's very, I hate to use the word because it's a word the left always uses, but it is very paternalistic. It is so paternalistic to think that uh, simply because you're on the left, that you're entitled to uh, the votes of a certain ethnic or uh, group, uh, a demographic group. Black people are just as independent as the rest of us, likewise with our indigenous people. And uh, they can think for themselves. They don't need Joe Biden to tell them how to vote or think. And, uh, you know, it was great just getting back to Drea. Now that I've gone off on that tangent, just getting back to Drea. Uh, for Drea's debut, that was really great. And she did something uh, that the mainstream media doesn't do, and that's go where the news is. She heard about this protest. She went down to have a look at it. 
she rolled her camera like journalists do. I mean, it's not complicated to be a journalist. You have to be where the news is and you have to be collecting the news. And she saw this guy take a photo with one of the protesters and she thought, hey, what's this guy from the public taking a photo with the protesters? Like it's something to it's one thing to like stop, applaud, honk your horn to show support. But he stopped the protester to take a photo with him. And she thought, okay, great. I'll ask this guy what it's all about. And this incredible story unfolded right in front of her. And the mainstream media could do that. Oh, but they no. don't have the they don't have the intellectual curiosity that Drea does or uh, the uh, wherewithal to just head out there on a Sunday afternoon and see what the people are doing. They don't do those sorts of things. They report on the issues happening in our cities and in our lives from a cubicle in downtown Toronto, downtown Ottawa, downtown Edmonton. They don't go where the news is. You're absolutely right, Sheila. And it's even worse than that. Uh, and I know we have a lot of super chats before we get yes. to that. I'll, I'll back up an example that supports your position. I remember when uh, Efren and I were covering the um, hijab hoax protest at Queen's Park yes. by uh, several hundred members of the Asian community, maybe as many as a thousand, who yep. were really uh, upset that their community was falsely targeted. You remember there was that little girl who claimed that an Asian man with scissors yeah. uh, cut up her hijab. Um, by the way, I... I I subscribe to Ezra's belief that she blew the hoax in saying Asian. She was probably told to say Caucasian yeah. because it yeah. doesn't make sense to go after right. another visible minority. Right. So, but a little girl doesn't know the word Caucasian. That's an adult word. Exactly. Implanting a story in her head. And she remembered it as best she could, obviously, but it wasn't the whole word. But, so, but then again, that's just yeah. a theory. But what I can tell you as fact, um, they're marching down University Avenue uh, in a couple of lanes cordoned off by police. And coming down University Avenue is a CBC News uh, Dodge Caravan uh, minivan. And they come to a, like, they're going like maybe five kilometers an hour. They're coming to a halt because, hey, what's happening here? This looks like news. Hundreds of people. They read the signs, presumably, and then, oh, man, like a bat out of hell, <laughs> they hit the accelerator and went right back to headquarters on Front Street. That ain't the narrative we want to uh, do. I mean, if this was something denouncing white supremacy or something, they would have pulled over and filmed. But this was uh, the Asian community denouncing the hijab hoax. Not, not our cup of tea. Bye. Yeah. Minorities denouncing Justin Trudeau. Oh, we can't, they can't get out of there fast enough, David. They probably got a speeding ticket on the way out. I actually saw this firsthand also a couple of different times. Uh, about a month back, maybe a little more, when um, at the Alberta legislature, the sheriffs moved in on the protesters who were very clearly social distancing and oh, then yes. picked up a couple of them and carried them away. I got footage. The protesters got footage. CBC, who was standing on the lawn, like 40 feet in the other direction with their camera zoomed in, they wouldn't want to get too close to these people. They're, you know, conservatives and they've got cooties. But they, they, you never saw any footage of the arrest and them like physically carrying away protesters um, on the CBC, even though I know full well they got it. 
I was also victim to this twice when I was punched in the back at the UCP convention by um, people who were there in support of like the public sector unions and the teachers. I was outside with Ian. I was like punched by a man in the back as I was trying to get away from him. And the, I think it was CTV. They were probably eight feet away parked on the other side of the sidewalk in their running vehicle. They didn't see a thing, though. They didn't see this, like, big commotion and a guy punching a woman. Um, And when I was uh, punched by Dion Views, I can't believe I'm listing off all the times I've been punched at work. But (laughs) um, when I was punched by Dion Views, I know a reporter from the Canadian, or a video journalist for the Canadian press. I think he's actually a photojournalist for the Canadian press. I could see him in my video footage of the assault against me, taking pictures of the assault. He's in my frame, pointing his camera at me, taking pictures. And when we reached out to the Canadian press and said, hey, why aren't you reporting on this? Where's your footage? Uh, They said, oh, none of it was usable. Until all of a sudden, the story goes huge. This, I guess he's probably a freelance photojournalist, was able to sell the photo, and then all of a sudden, miraculously, um, all of a sudden, oh, they do have footage now of the assault. So that's all the, like when you're looking for photos of the Dion Buse assault, and you can see me like around the camera from another angle, all of that is coming from that Canadian press photojournalist when they said they didn't have usable photos in the like, hours after that happened. Isn't, Isn't that, that amazing? Convenient? They say not usable, not meaning that it was out of focus or blurry or too dark, but it doesn't fit the ideological narrative until it goes really big. In that case, suddenly it's usable. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tell you, Sheila, I, and, and by the way, I forgot some of those incidents in, where, in which you were punched. <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd go over my inventory, but we've got only, what, uh, 40 minutes on <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, you're, you're the most molested <laughs> journalist in all of Canada. You just go out onto the streets and you have all these weirdos just putting their hands on you every time you leave the house. It's crazy. It's, it, it's just too bad the Ryerson School of Journalism back in the 80s when I went for three years didn't have like a mixed martial arts course. <laughs> you know, that would have been way more effective than half the bird courses I took. Anyway, Sheila, go right into those super chats. <laughs> I, you know, I can't believe, look, maybe I can believe it. I was going to say, I can't believe you wasted three years on journalism school. <laughs> but you waste all kinds of money on electric cars. So, I mean, it just a fool in his money, right? Plug in uh, hybrids. <laughs> electric. <laughs> yeah. Like a vacuum cleaner or a blender. Um, Pink Phoenix Nails gives us $2, says YouTube took away her unicorn super sticker. For shame, YouTube. Um, let's keep going. Julian Borges gives us, or Borges gives us $2. Uh, favorite Paul McCartney and Wings song. I don't have one. I don't like Paul McCartney. I don't like the Beatles. I think they introduced a bunch of new age baloney into the Western world that we're still trying to weed out of our churches. Come on. And I don't like Paul McCartney and his anti-seal hunt baloney and his uh, forcing uh, vegetarianism on like his roadies and stuff. (laughs) Like they always have a vegetarian menu. Uh, You know what? 
If you believe your food has vibrations, that's your business. But please give everybody else the option of eating the things that sustain human life. But, Sheila, I'm going to take you to task here because in no. the department, like <laughs> what, what you said about Paul McCartney's uh, political and ideological beliefs, I'm, I'm 100% with you. But let's separate the art from the artist. And when you talk about the artistry of Paul McCartney and Wings and the Beatles, uh, you can't discount that music. And by the way, to answer the question from the viewer, my number one Paul McCartney and Wings <laughs> song is definitely, and it's an absolutely astonishing masterpiece, I think, Band on the Run, which is actually three separate hey. songs stitched together in terms of uh, tempo and narrative and uh, all that other musical stuff that I don't understand because I can't even play a flute. But anyways, that is my answer, Band on the Run. I don't think the musical contributions outweigh the cultural damage <laughs> caused by uh, the Beatles and Paul McCartney. I just I, don't. I do my best. I really do. I do my best to separate uh, the artist from their politics. For example, I love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I love that movie. I cannot stand much of the politics of the people who are in it. I can't. I don't. You know, it's. And that's what you have to do. You have to park yeah. your beliefs. Oh, and by the way, uh, fake Deborah Harry says her favorite uh, Paul McCartney and Wings um, song is uh, Mrs. Vanderbilt. I don't know that one. Of course, she's so obscure. <laughs> you know but it, no, I don't. Margaret is so obscure, but I think that's why I think she's so smart. She um, is. She's quirky. She's very She's quirky, quirky yet feisty. A yeah. bit of this, a bit yeah. of that. Anyway. Yeah. She, <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's one of them pretty nerds. Um, John P. gives us $27.99. Y'all need someone out in Niagara. I got spare time to contribute as a conservative voice. You know, David gets given her out there in the, in the Niagara region once in a while when a story takes him there. Uh, David, you cover so much ground in Ontario. Huge province, but you seem to be getting around that whole bottom part of it. Well, you know, Sheila, in March, when the economy first shut down post right. uh, St. Patrick's Day, we did go out to Niagara Falls, and I'm glad we did because I think it was a once-in-a-lifetime, definitely a once-in-a-lifetime, once-in-a-century moment where we went around Niagara Falls, and it was a ghost town. And yeah. there are many ghosts, but what made it so eerie were all these, you know, circus sideshow attractions, wax museums, Ferris wheels, um, all deserted, all empty. You know, even the falls itself, which, remember, Niagara Falls is a tourist destination, I think attracts something like 35 million visitors a year, uh, which is almost the population of Canada itself. And there was only maybe a half a dozen people looking at the Horseshoe Falls. It was yep. so eerie. And you know what? And it was heartbreaking because, again, you yeah. look at how many people's businesses have just been destroyed by this ludicrous idea of shutting down the entire economy when we should have directed our resources to those who are the most vulnerable. And of course, I mean the elderly, the affirm, those yeah. with respiratory diseases that are in long-term care facilities. But yeah, so, if, you know, but I'm glad I went to see it for myself because if I hadn't seen it, I probably wouldn't have believed it. You know, and like you point out, heartbreaking. It's the height of tourist season yeah. and nobody's in Niagara Falls. Uh, let's keep moving. I hope I hope everybody can separate my bad musical 
tastes from, from my political work and journalist work that I do here. I realize that I'm I'm condemning the Beatles for the things that I'm probably guilty of right now. Um, <laughs> Cindy Remmer gives us $10 Canadian. My car is called Pearl. She's pearly white. You know what? I used to drive a um, gold. I guess it was gold. I don't know what the official color was. A gold F three fifty dually, and uh, we called we called it Champagne Lightning. That was my daily driver. I had two car seats in the back. <laughs> um, you know what? That raises an interesting question. I, I remember once reading a story about that. Do you give your car a nickname? Right? Uh, do you yeah. call it something? And uh, I think you know for. For me, you know, maybe for a lot of guys, it's when it's the middle of January and it's minus 40 and you turn the key and it's eh, 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 and you start out like this. Oh, come on, baby. Come on, baby. (laughs) And then when baby doesn't turn over, well, you end up using a word that rhymes with witch, I think. (laughs) So that's again, those are my nicknames for those inanimate objects. (laughs) That's because your horrible little electric cars don't work in Canadian winters. It has always turned over. Uh, Oh, Sneaky Beaver gives us $5 Canadian and mandatory face diaper for all Quebec on Saturday. What's your take on this? I'm not acquiescing to the government this time. I feel robbed big time. Um, You know, it's funny. Because we were told for the longest time that masks didn't work. Yep. We didn't need them, shouldn't wear them. And now the government is mandating them. Um, and it's they're relying on the same expert advice that uh, told them you shouldn't wear them. And those experts were merely being political. They were covering for the fact that uh, the Public Health Agency of Canada threw out a bunch of masks and never replaced them. And also that Justin Trudeau shipped almost our entire strategic stockpile that remained over to China, even though they make the masks in China. Um, So I think I'm not against masks, but I am against um, this mixed messaging that's come from the very beginning from the government. Uh, They said closing the borders wouldn't work until they closed the borders. Then it wasn't racist to say those things. So um, it's, it's hard to rely on expert information when your experts are actually political and not really scientific. Well, you know, Sheila, uh, I was recognized on Saturday in Richmond Hill by someone who told me she's a nurse. I won't say her name or the hospital she works at, but she said uh, this mask policy is absolute hogwash. This is from a veteran nurse. And, uh, And I'll tell you, I think it's just... You know, Ezra said this before that so many of these government officials have gotten a taste of totalitarian policy and they really like the taste. And we're seeing, I think, the nanny state on steroids. And I think you, my friend, last week had one of the best commentary. It made me laugh out loud so many times when you had the city of Toronto and I think Dr. (laughs) Teresa Tam weighing in on uh, Wuhan virus sex tips. Uh, The the number one one being um, consider, what did they call it, solitary sex? Yeah. Yeah. Like they said something like yourself is the safest sex partner. Like, what is like, that? What, I mean, I, I want, listen, city of Toronto. Of government worker saying Yeah, that. I <laughs> want you to pick up the trash, pave the streets, yeah. give me clean drinking water, take the trash out of Nathan Phillips Square when they camp there. How about that? Don't, don't be spending my dollars on 
COVID-19 sex tips. I think we can figure it out. Anyways, yeah. more Super Chat. <laughs> yes, please. Okay, Connie McDonald gives us $10. I don't see a Super Chat. Thank you very much, Connie. Tetra Resinstone gives us nine $9.99 Canadian. Sheila, any Jessica wax my balls Yaniv update? <laughs> yeah, uh, it sounds like they're charging him. Um, and Kian's got an update on the Rebel website about that. Um, he was at the legislature doing other work because uh, we go to the legislature even though the other journalists don't want us there. And we're going to keep going because taking us out of places, well, that's how you get more rebel, not less. But yeah, Kian uh, got word of some breaking news that uh, Jonathan Yaniv was going to be uh, arrested. And he did a video about that while he was there. And you can find that on the rebel website. So finally, Finally, I think the law is truly, truly going to catch up with Jonathan Jessica Yaniv. Um, and I know that he still awaits sentencing for some weapons charges, and we'll be sure to cover that too. Uh, maybe even Drea will head down there and cover that since she's in the Lower Mainland. But Sheila, let me tell you something. Here is the tragic epilogue to that story if it ends up that he has to do jail time. They're going to put him in a woman's correctional facility. He just has yeah. to say... I'm a chick, even though I've got testicles, and yep, that's good enough. And he will once again, no doubt, prey upon people in that facility. They put male sex offenders into female prisons yep. once they immediately self-identify. And there, ha there doesn't have to be surgery. There doesn't even have to be hormones. It's the way you self-identify. So these male sex offenders who are not, I guess, for all intents and purposes, chemically castrated by female hormones, they're still going into yep. female prisons and thus putting the female population at risk. And we are not hearing from the feminists in Justin Trudeau's government oh, no. about this. In fact, this is being done to female uh, prisoners by Justin Trudeau's government. No, feminists now have a chant, which is, Trans women are real women. They do. Yeah. They, they, they have thrown their constituency, other, you know, uh, real woman under the bus for a percent of a percent of a percent of a lunatic fringe. They have done that, Sheila. I don't understand. No, and here's the thing. I don't care how you live your life. Like, I really, really, really don't care how anybody lives their life because I don't want them to care how I live my life. I want, I'm a leave-me-alone social conservative. You live your life. Uh, I, Whatever my opinion of you should never matter. Live your life. And if you think that you don't like my opinion, live your life to spite me. I don't care. And I don't want the government to make me care. But that's what's happening. <laughs> and I don't think it's fair to sacrifice the safety of 50% of the population and the comfort of 50% of the population to appease a statistical rounding error of people. I'm sorry. It's just not fair. And I hate to use the word fair, but it really isn't right. It's it's we are being governed by. A, a rounding error of yep. people and and that's not how it should be but again i stress live your life you know what you sheila <laughs> i'm sorry my friend i'm calling bs on what you just said about live your life because you continually pick on members of the plug-in hybrid community <laughs> <laughs> live your life despite me plug that car in and do it to just 
think this one's for you, Sheila, every time you plug that horrible little car into the wall. You know, when you think of it, when Jonathan does go to jail, if he does go to jail, he'll be kind of a plug-in hybrid too, won't he? <laughs> Okay, let's keep moving. Going. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> moving on. Okay, muzzle flash gives us uh, five dollars Australian. I think the exchange rate between our pesos and theirs are pretty close. Second wave in Australia, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. Is it the second wave? Are you guys like getting the second wave? I haven't been paying attention all that much to what's happening with regard to uh, down under. Um, and I, I know I really should. We have a large constituency of people who watch us down there, or at least a, a sizable constituency, and we really should be paying closer attention to what's going on there. Oh, uh, Sheila, Jordan, is it a second wave, or is it a fact that there are is just more testing being done? This is, you know, it's so, you know, unintentionally funny to see the U.S. media crucify Donald Trump with these out-of-control um, coronavirus positive tests when the fact is they've tested well over 40 million people. And what they don't report on, Sheila, is the number of deaths. That's the most relevant statistic. Or sick hospitalizations, intensive care. Like, I'm going to be talking to uh, a Florida-based journalist, Alex Newman, from The New American on my weekly show, uh, The Gun Show, which it sits behind the paywall, but you can subscribe at rebelnews.com slash subscribe. I think it's only eight bucks a month and you get access to my show and David's show and Ezra's nightly show. So it's, you know, it's worth the price of admission. But he's a Florida-based journalist and I w was emailing him back and forth to ask him to come on the show and tell him the things that I wanted to talk about. And I'm like, Alex, if this email finds you, um, I know that you're probably already dead because I get my news from the mainstream media. And everybody in Florida is dead right now. So I'll avenge you. But uh, yeah, because in Florida, they're doing mass testing. So they're getting, of course, they're finding the positive people in society. But those are not reflected in their hospitalization rates or yep. intensive care rates or their deaths. And everybody's like, Florida, their plan failed because yeah. Florida didn't really close their businesses. They really didn't close their outdoor places. They let people go to the beach. They said, you know, like, keep it a little bit under control at the beach, but, you know, go to the beach, get some fresh air. And they did that. And they didn't have the total collapse of their healthcare system yep. like what we saw in New York that everybody suspected. And it's funny because Florida is where all the old people from New York go and they were much better off being in Florida than they were staying at home in New York. Um, and so, yeah, you'll hear a lot of reporting about the positive tests coming out in Florida and how Florida's plan failed. But then when you drill down and look at their hospitalization rates, it's like next to nothing. Yeah. Um, so it did, their plan did work and New York's didn't, but for some reason, the governor in New York is, you know, his tires are really being pumped by the media and everybody thinks he's doing a good job. The same governor who is putting sick people into long-term care homes in, in, yeah. in New York State. Unbelievable. And, but Cuomo's the hero. Trump's the villain. Yeah. World's well, upside down, Sheila. Anyway, because his brother is a popular mainstream media journalist. So it's easy to, like, create that narrative when you've got a guy on the inside doing it for you. Uh, George George Watts gives us six ninety nine Canadian. What should I do about my company having anti race training? I brawn 
X. So anti-racism training, who's making you do that? Are wow. you doing that to your staff? I, like, I, I'm sorry, I don't, I wish I knew more. Um, I've been privy to some leaked emails from within the government who are sending me like emails about the anti-racism training that they have to do, for example, at Statistics Canada. Um, and it, it sounds pretty darn crazy um, and ridiculous. And it makes you seem as though you're naturally racist just by virtue of not being an ethnic or religious minority, uh, uh, which is racism in and of itself, isn't it? Well, you know, Sheila, that's an uncanny email uh, to get uh, given the timing because I'm uh, later today I'll be doing a report on the Public Service Alliance of Canada. So that's a public sector union. So in other words, our tax tellers are paying for this. Last night, they put on an anti-racism seminar for their members. Oops, I mean their white members. But if you're a person of color, um, you can join. But I mean, what does that say, first of all? They're basically saying that if you are black, brown, Asian, um, naturally, you are non-racist. This is directed to white members. Unless, of course, I'm proven wrong, and they have an anti-racism seminar for those groups, which I doubt we'll see. But here is the most egregious thing of all, folks, what this union did. The co-host of this seminar, the one from the moral high ground preaching to the rank and file, was none other than Nora Loretto. Do you remember her, folks? Remember when the Humboldt Broncos tragedy happened? All those lives that were lost, all those people left permanently disabled. And I've got the quote here, uh, Sheila. This is what she tweeted out. I'm trying to not get cynical about what is a totally devastating tragedy, but the maleness, the youthfulness, and the whiteness of the victims are, of course, playing a significant role, end quote. So what, it was a racist, sexist, even ageist quote when you look at it. Yeah. And she is suggesting that it basically, if there were more females on this bus, if it was a more diverse bus, if it was an older bus, then there wouldn't have been millions of dollars raised by the GoFundMe account that was started uh, for the Humboldt Broncos. Can you imagine, Sheila Gunn-Reed, that in this day and age, in this cancel culture that we have, Don Cherry for standing up for the poppy and using the phrase, those people or you people, is made to walk the plank. But yep. this sick puppy, this racist, sexist woman, on the taxpayer dollar, is invited to give an anti-racism seminar to the rank and file of the Public Service Alliance of Canada. That is disgusting. Well... And just imagine how the families of the Humboldt Broncos feel about her um, being given this opportunity and paid so handsomely. If there's somebody in this country that deserves cancel culture, it's her. Yeah. Um, and yet um, she is being redeemed by this public sector union. And look, I believe in redemption. But with redemption comes acknowledgement of the sin and then penance. And she's being redeemed with none of those things. She's just, 
you know, they're just like, oh, yeah, she's this horrible, horrible person who said these things about dead boys on the worst day of this fa- these families' lives, devastated this entire community, the hockey community, and in turn, so many people who feel connected to that in Canada. And here she is getting paid, no doubt, handsomely by union dues of public sector union employees to um, have her image rehabbed. It's revolting, actually. And just, I could go on on this subject forever because I've got a real hard time with PSAC giving anybody lectures on racism. They support openly BDS, the Boycott, Divestment and Sanctions of Israeli companies. They're on a don't buy from Jews campaign. So that sounds a lot similar to a few things that have happened historically, I would say. And yet they're out there lecturing other people on racism. Give me a break. Um, And, and, you know, this all, as everything tends to do, it sort of flows over into Alberta because last week, Premier Jason Kenney introduced a law that would allow union members to opt out oh, I love of, it. of political activities from their unions. So your union dues cannot be used to fund political activities that you disagree with. I mean, if you're going to mandate these poor souls into joining a union when they don't want to, that's bad enough. But it is even worse that their union dues are u- used to fund political activities. So blue-collar pipeline workers who vote Jason Kenney and have an F. Trudeau sticker on their truck their union dues right now can go to support Rachel Notley or an anti-oil campaign or Nora Loretto. Jason Kenney's trying to change that. And the unions are absolutely beside themselves because for them, they want to force Jewish union members into supporting BDS campaigns against Israeli companies and it's it's the right thing to do to stop this. It is freedom of association. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing, Sheila, that you know, much like we said, how the feminists have thrown women under the bus in terms of their yeah. aspirations for political correctness. Unions that represent you know the lunch bucket brigade, the blue collar yeah. hard hat guys, they've thrown them under the bus by embracing you know social justice campaigns like uh, global warming and anti carbon. Uh, yeah. They don't even know who their own audience is. One last note about uh, Nora Loretto. You and I, we believe in free speech, uh, even if it's odious free speech. Uh, My line in the sand, as I've always said, you you cannot use your pulpit to uh, advocate violence or death against an individual or a group. Other than that, everything goes. Here's the thing with Loretto. You can say all these odious, disgusting, egregious things you want on Twitter. Don't pay her with my tax dollars. Do it on your own coin. That's my issue here with this um, Public Servants Alliance of Canada giving her a a speaking uh, gig. And of course, Mr. Producer is screaming in my earpiece about the super chats. (laughs) Yes, we'll get there. Uh, Julian Borges gives us $2 Canadian. What are your favorite prime ministers and why? Uh, I'm a big fan of Deef the Chief. Um, Diefenbaker, um, Western uh, Prime Minister at a time when there were no Western Prime Ministers. I also his admire. I also admire his extension of 
the rights we all enjoy to Canada's Indigenous people. Um, that was a real game changer. And it was reflective of the Conservatives' ongoing commitment to human rights and equality. Um, for some reason, the Liberals get credit for much of that, but it was us. It was always us. You know, and there's a great clip, if you Google it, of Diefenbaker reacting to Paul Henderson's winning goal in the 70s <laughs> yeah. Summit yeah. Series. I mean, because he was a very non-excitable man. But <laughs> yeah, I won't say anything more. you got to watch that. I would say in my life, if I had to pick a prime minister I most admire, I'm going with Stephen Harper, uh, Sheila. Um, you know, I miss him dearly. And yeah. I think I speak for so many, especially those who support the Conservative Party, uh, post Andrew Shear and post God knows who, uh, who will be probably emulating Andrew Shear. Um, wow, Stephen, please <laughs> come back. Come back. <laughs> well, my favorite prime minister is also Stephen Harper's favorite prime minister. I think there was an interview once where he said he sort of tailored his prime ministership after Diefenbaker. Yeah. Um, just that slow and steady wins the race. Um, commitment to uh, equality and human rights, both at home and around the world, um, and just that steady hand uh, that Stephen Harper has sort of tipped his hat to Diefenbaker. So. Um, and a very underrated prime minister for yes. the cultural changes um, with regard to how we treat Canada's Indigenous people. Um, very underrated for what he was able to do. And uh, and convince Canadians of in a time that you would think it wouldn't have been all that popular. Yeah. Um, Luigi Grimaldi uh, gives a six ninety nine. I commend all the journalists at the Rebel for going into the eye of the storm and risking your body to report the news to us. God bless you all. Well, thank you very much. Um, like I said earlier, you got to go where the news is, and sometimes that's not safe, as well, David well knows. To be honest, it's only because we can't afford one of those telephoto zoom lenses. We have to go right in. Just right, yeah, we normally just we normally just use our cell phones, so it's true. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Producer not, said that was hilarious, but I think he's being facetious. We use our cell phones. They're as good as anything. Look, I've seen how CBC rolls. When I was at the uh, election night in uh, Regina in uh, just, you know, a few months ago. CBC, I think, had eight trucks, like eight trucks, satellite trucks. And God only knows what those things cost for a satellite hookup. I think it's something obscene. Maybe Justin knows. Um, and I just showed up with my, like, camera on a tripod, like my little, like, studio camera um, and um, my microphone and my computer to make it talk to the office and that was it. Like, I think, you know, all in, maybe like 100, 200 bucks to like get a couple of adapters. And we had, uh, when we do live stream coverage, like, especially for the Alberta election, we had more people watching our live stream on YouTube than CBC had at one point. And they do it with $1.5 billion and we do it on next to nothing. So yeah, we don't have telephoto lenses because we don't need them. We're not wasting anybody's money on that. <laughs> David G gives us $10 and said, I was listening to Tom Fitton from Judicial Watch. They do great work. Talking about voter fraud, and now I wonder, what about Canada? Any evidence of voter fraud here? Also, are there any Canadian Judicial Watch? Um, I do my best to sort of emulate some of the work they do at Judicial Watch through constant access to information and freedom of information, because that's primarily what they do. Now, they focus a lot on the courts. Um, I... I focus more on government accountability, but 
With regard to voter fraud, there were a lot of fake voters on the last voter roll, um, and that sort of came out in, I believe, an access to information investigation done by Blacklock's reporter, I want to say, who also do a lot of similar work to yeah. to Judicial Watch, and they have a subscription model if you want to support them, um, because they do a, a lot of the work that uh, the mainstream media just refuses to do. Um, Kane Enmark gives us $2. Kane, you're late to getting around to super chatting us. Uh, this American is a hottie. Are you talking about Drea? Because she's in the lower mainland of BC. Mm. Um, she's as Canadian as they come. Vito Anthony D gives us $2. Here, take my cash, you two sexy devils. <laughs> Thank you, Vito Anthony D. Uh, MVP, $6 Canadian. I look forward to more news segments from Drea. I do too. She's working on something kind of special today. Um, a very lower mainland story that has a lot to do with all of Canada. So um, she's really got an eye for... Uh, the things that we like to talk about here at Rebel News. Uh, Connie McDonald gives us $10, says, Great reporting, Rebel News. Please say hello to a new viewer, my Aunt May. Hi, Aunt May. Um, Connie, good job bringing the news of Rebel News to uh, your friends and family. Thank you for that uh, evangelization of us. Wasn't, wasn't uh, that the name of uh, Peter Parker's aunt, Aunt May? You know, the guy that was Spider-Man? I'm sure oh, yeah, it was Aunt May. Yeah. Uh, when, Fake Deborah Harry is nodding yes. And she goes to these cosplay things, so she knows. That's true. Like I said, she's a pretty nerd. Um, <laughs> Wendy's Cafe gives us $5. Hi, Sheila and David. Can you give an update to Butt's nasty tweet regarding the U.S. racist map? I can. I emailed everybody. I emailed everybody I could. I emailed Eurasia Group. I emailed the Canadian government. And I emailed the Alberta government, who also had an existing contract with Eurasia Group. And nobody got back to me. So wow. that's, you know... But, but this is how the left is really good at combating cancel culture and the right is really not. Because if that person were on the right, um, it, like, let's say this was a chief advisor to Stephen Harper and he sent that, um, he would be wandering in the wilderness alone for the rest of his career. Yeah. And he would have been denounced by every conservative who ever had been in a photo with him or standing across the room from him in the last 20 years. That's how it works. But because he's on the left, everybody just shuts their mouth and continues on. It's happening right now in Alberta. I think Kean's doing a story on this today. Um, the head of the Alberta Federation of Labor, Gil McGowan, he tweeted out yesterday comparing uh, that law I told you about, the one where Jason Kenney, it's basically a campaign finance uh, law where he's, unions will not be able to use forced union dues for political purposes. Great. It's freedom, right? Um, he basically compared the UCP, the United Conservatives, to Nazis over that. Again, pretty rich coming from the uh, party of BDS. He's a board member, I think, or governor's member. I, they have The AFL is basically a voting member of the NDP in Alberta. So however that's structured, I, I forget the exact way that that's structured. Um, so, I mean, not only is he affiliated with the NDP, he is the NDP. Yeah. And yet, nobody's talking about it except us. Uh, Kian is probably going to be the only journalist outside of me in Alberta who won't shut up about this.
because it's gross. And if a conservative had done that, we would have rightfully accused him of minimizing the Holocaust. Campaign finance reform is definitely not the same as killing six million people because they you deem them to be unworthy of life. Uh, but this is where this guy is. He's basically lumping every conservative in with the Nazi party, which only does favors for the real handful of six or seven Nazis that exist in Canada, because now you've normalized them. Yep. Now you've you've diminished the fact that they are the most evil creatures to walk the face of the earth. Good job. Well, like we said earlier, Sheila, Don Cherry gets canceled. Nora Loretto gets taxpayer funded speaking gigs at a public service union. That's how we yeah, roll I, in Canada right now. Yeah, I checked the social still on the air, too. So, I, I mean... Oh, boy. Who watches I mean, that? Not that you'd know, because I don't think anybody watches it. <laughs> uh, let, you have to physically go and check to make sure it's still on the air, because nobody watches it. But I think it's people who are, like, held captive in nail salons. Like, you're sitting there, and they're working on your nails, and it's on in the background, and it's like, oh, my God. I'm, I have to watch this. It's like how CNN is always on in the airport and uh, the CTV news channel is always on in the doctor's office. It's the same thing. I'd rather have the Cartoon Network on. (laughs) Wouldn't you though? Okay, John P. says 2099 says, it's odd how California Democrats slammed Florida and Texas and Republican run states. Meanwhile, California wasn't able to contain the virus either. Which virus are we even talking about in California? Because the coronavirus, Uh, The plague virus, like they've got a whole host of problems there, flesh eating disease in their homeless encampments. So, yeah, um, while these other states are dealing with, you know, just the coronavirus the way everybody else is, California has got some medieval disease problems rearing its ugly head because uh, they are just allowing homeless encampments wherever because somehow that's social justice. Uh, Travis Coulson gives us $13.99. My hometown of Orillia, Ontario, has enforced anyone who is not a resident wanting to visit uh, visit our parks a $50 a day parking fee. Yeah. Is this happening in other municipalities? I had no idea. Like, I, you know, as we said earlier, a little taste of totalitarianism and it tastes real good. And now they're monetizing it. I mean... As a member of this province, as a member of this country, uh, how is there this, uh, you know, system of parking apartheid? Uh, if you're from out of town, you, you pay an, you know, egregious premium. That is outrageous. And, and you know what? I wouldn't be surprised. You know, we should do, we, we should get um, one of those tickets and fight it in court, Sheila, because I think it's doomed. I think that is outrageous. I know, like, for example, in I think it was Revelstoke or Golden, B.C., um, and someone will correct me on which one it was, but one of the mayors there suggested that Albertans shouldn't come. Well, Albertans spend a lot of money in Golden and Revelstoke because it's just on the other side of Banff from uh, Alberta. And so a lot of them have vacation properties there, own resorts there, go there to ski, hike, whatever and suggested that Albertans shouldn't come. And what resulted was a bunch of vehicles from Alberta with Alberta plates being keyed um, out there. And so it's, it's, 
there's a lot of irresponsibility coming from these municipalities. And as you point out, it's totalitarian. I mean, it's the height of tourism season. Yeah. Alberta's got our act under control when it comes to the coronavirus. Why wouldn't you want us to come spend our money on the other side of Banff National Park? Why oh, would I mean... And Sheila, for Aurelia, which is home to Casino Rama, that when casinos were Thank allowed you. to operate, acres of free parking. Come, you know, spend your money at the casino, get cleaned out. And now it's a $50 surcharge. Give me a break. Yep. Uh, oh, lots of super Cafe, chats, I'm afraid. Lots. Yeah. I know, and we're running out of time. Wendy's Cafe <laughs> gives us $5 Canadian. Did you know that Wexit is now called Wild Rose Independence Party? Uh, there was a vote last month to join the two separatist parties. Yes, it's true, and it's run by Jay Hill, who uh, who is a very reputable uh, former conservative MP. So um, let's see what direction that goes. The problem was they didn't have a leader who would look into uh, the constitutional issues, and Jay Hill might be that guy, although he's just the interim leader, and he said he just wants to be the interim leader. So uh, hopefully he's actively recruiting people to run for a real leadership race. Uh, Judah Bercy or Yuda Bercy gives us $13.99, says she's our number one fan. Thank you very much. Julian Borges, best Canadian song, Wheat Kings by The Hip, ranks high, but 2112 20, and The Trees by Rush are simply prophetic. Joni and Bruce Coburn also come to mind. Uh, Viking Insane gives us $5. I think it's time to remove the queen from our money. Hmm. Prince Andrew disgusts me. It's a better argument than the one to remove John A. I'm not going to hold the queen responsible for Prince Andrew. Um, uh, I think the <laughs> queen has been distinguished and dignified and has served her country well. Her son, like most families, they all have that one kid. He's that one kid, I think. Actually, I think, unfortunately for the Queen, she has two of those kids. Poor um, Queen. But her, yeah, but she has one grandson who's really, <laughs> I think, will probably at least save the monarchy, him and his lovely wife, but not the one that moved to America. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> gives us $10 Canadian for you, Sheila. I detest the Beatles. Thank you. <laughs> and everything they stand for, past and present. Yes. Yes. I, you know what? I know it's an unpopular opinion, but you know what? I got to be honest with the people. And Elisa S. gives us uh, $13.99. Drea is beautiful and she did an awesome job. Rebel rocks. Absolutely. Yes, I think. Um, hopefully, uh, Drea, she obviously hit the ground running. Let's uh, keep a good thing going here. Hillary Watt uh, gives us $2. Is, uh, is there any ties between Trudeau and Maxwell? Ghislaine Maxwell? I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised, but I, I've never, I haven't seen anything. I, I'm a terrible conspiracy theorist, and I'm going to spend most of this evening now googling <laughs> this. But uh, I haven't seen anything yet. Uh, Mike Seguin gives us thirteen ninety nine. Paul stinks, but the Beatles were a fantastic band. They started the hippie revolution. That's my problem with them right there. <laughs> well, right in the there. beginning, wait a second. They were very clean cut. They were wearing suits, yeah. you know. So yeah, yeah, and then they brought yoga over and uh, just don't even get me started uh john p gives us 20 99 can y'all attempt to do more coverage for niagara area it would put polit uh, pressure on politicians here um david is but one man but he does an incredible job covering the Thank issues you. there uh proud boys edmonton gives us five dollars canadian we don't need 150 characters to prove communism wrong proud boys yeg at gmail.com uh those proud boys 
you know, they're they're very good with their marketing dollars. Just five bucks here, five bucks there. Get a few new signups. <laughs> very smart. Um, Julian Borges, five dollars Canadian. The Beatles did spur the age of postmodernism again. Exactly why I don't like them, but they remain important because how well they captured the zeitgeist, which is pretty significant. Uh, David ends uh, $20. Thank you very much. Just finished The Lebranos last night. What a great book. I knew the liberals were dirty, but wow, they are as corrupt as Mexico. Uh, I'm about That's pretty to corrupt. Reading. Yeah, well, I'm about to start reading China Virus. Uh, Sorry. Looking forward to it. Uh, keep it up. Rebels. Wendy's Cafe gives us $5. I swear to God, the whole world has walked through the Twilight Zone door, and now we're living in an alternative reality. Uh, Julian Borges gives us $10. Everyone should study the 60s. Modern history's defining moment, in my opinion. New Age philosophy, the sexual revolution, identity politics, rock and roll, was the birth of the modern age, for better or for worse, I would say for worse. And if there are a lot of parallels, I was thinking about this last night, a lot of parallels between the 60s and now, including uh, hippies trying to start a race <laughs> war like Charles Manson did. Um, Brown Boys, Edmonton, $5 Canadian, uh, protecting people like Ezra's right to speak freely since 2016 proudboysyag at gmail.com uh, Wendy's Cafe $5 Canadian speaking of cancel culture did you read the article that guy wrote about crossing signs being racist because the walk sign walk signal is a white person I have not read that however that makes perfect sense because apparently driving on a street painted a rainbow is also a hate crime oh yeah <laughs> I don't know it, you know <laughs> I saw the, that what do you think the road is for <laughs> Um, Julian Borges, $5 Canadian. What better way to respect minorities than to hold them to lesser standards, i.e. they can't be racist. Am I right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's very paternalistic to have lower standards for certain people. I, I think we're all humans, all capable of all things and created uh, in God's image. And so we're all worthy and capable. Uh, Lisa A, $6.99. If one can self-identify gender, then why not race to opt out of racism training? Use lefty logic. Very clever. Very clever. Julian Borges, $2. Um, you guys should check out Mark Dice or Deese. I think it's Deese if you haven't. We have. Uh, be good to each other, $2. Canadian, keep up the great work, guys. Thank you. We will. Kane and Mark, that black guy. Oh, the one that Drea interviewed. Yeah, he was great. Meredith McDonald, $5. Canadian, looking forward to meeting Sheila and the boss on the 21st. We'll see you in Sherwood Park. By the way, that restaurant is already being targeted uh, by the hate mob. Wow. Already. Luckily, they're pretty uh, mob resilient and they knew what they were getting into. And they know that a bunch of people with um, veganism signs and Black Lives Matter um, in their profile pictures are probably not their patrons anyway, since they have an incredible beef rib buffet. But, but yeah. tell them, um, tell, tell those types to go to Toronto and eat at food benders. That's their kind of joint. Exactly. And I mean, <laughs> At the end of the day, I don't care if a restaurant conforms to my political ideology. I don't want to know if the restaurant has a political ideology, as is the case with food vendors. I just want to be able to get food and not make everything political, except when it comes to the Beatles. Um, 
and so yeah i mean <laughs> this poor restaurant and the mo- let me say something else the and i know we're way over time justin i'm really sorry these cancel culture mobs who are going after this restaurant for hosting us in sherwood park just on the other side of the highway from edmonton they don't know what our booking might mean to this restaurant this restaurant has been locked down for at least three months they're able to open they're able to host us they're a family trying to provide for themselves and keep their employees employed with them. So a massive booking from us makes a hell of a lot of difference for them. And these people who would never patronize them anyways want to cancel us and they don't know the impact that it would have on this business. So they should mind their own business. Anyways, uh, Denny Brower gives us $2 Canadian. What do you think the IQ of Trudeau is? Weed equals bad. Well, the weed is not helping his IQ. Uh, Lucas Taylor gives us $5 uh, New Zealand cash. Hi, David and Sheila. Quick question. What do you think know of the QAnon movement? If not, here's an article. Much love from New Zealand. You know what? I, I'm so full of conspiracy theories. I haven't even gone down the QAnon rabbit hole. I'm very sorry. I know a lot of people have, but that's not... I just... There are too many conspiracy facts for me to chase down. Um, Proud Boys Edmonton, $5 Canadian. If you already knew that machine guns have been banned for 60 years, then you're the kind of men we're looking for. Proud Boys, yeah, at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah, there was a big uh, shooting over the weekend in Toronto again, which is crazy because Trudeau banned all the guns and the good ones twice. So I don't know. Must be fake news. Uh, be good to each other. Uh, give us a dollar. Uh, thank you very much. Wendy's Cafe. $5 Canadian. I'm 61 and I'm going to start self-identifying as 21 again. Do we get to rock? Uh, do we get to roll back our broken bodies along with our age? Um, you know what? If Jonathan and Eve can be a girl, you can be anything you put your mind to. <laughs> and that's it. And it is seven minutes past the hour. And very quickly with favorite cars, uh, Sheila, we got the AMC Pacer. Good choice. Anything made by AMC is retro cool. These are so-called yep. nerd cars. But they did make in the 70s a muscle car called the Rebel. So there you go. If you, I'm not sure there's any left on the road that haven't rusted out. Corvette C7, great choice because the C8 no manual transmission. So if I could afford a Corvette, I'm not buying the, the new generation one. There's so many more, but Mr. Producer says we got to go. So Wait, one more. <laughs> yes. The AMC Eagle 4x4 wagon. It was that ahead of its time. Car. It started That's the... dream car, wood panel, beautiful, light truck tires. It's what I want. It, I, I Bury me in it. It was a four-wheel drive SUV before that became cool in the 90s. So there you go. Yep. On behalf of Mr. Producer, fake Deborah Harry, Sheila Gunn-Reed, who is presumably going to play some Beach Boys albums right now, and myself, David Menzies, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you especially to those who did the Super Chats, and we'll do it all again right here on Thursday, noon Eastern. Good day.